Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Adam Ludgate. Adam is a technical leader who is involved in the startup tech community and is enticed by new and innovative ways of solving problems with technology. He has worked previously with the likes of IBM Canada, AOL UK, tech startups in London's Silicon Roundabout, as well as in a variety of oil and gas software firms in various software development and leadership capacities. So now I'm going to hand the microphone over to Adam as he has a great conversation with Chris Reed and Jeff Adamson. Take it away, Adam. Thanks, Al. Uh, Today on Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast, I'm speaking with Jeff Adamson and Chris Reed, who are co-founders of Neo Financial. Uh, In addition, Jeff is also one of the co-founders of Skip the Dishes. So thanks so much for both coming on with me, guys. Thanks for having us, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll go through kind of systematically each of you, maybe just share a little bit about your background and how you landed where you are today. So maybe, uh, Jeff, if you want to go first. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my background and first of all, really excited to be here, Adam. And, and I think I'm even more excited because this is the first podcast I've ever done with Chris and, uh, he's always the smartest guy in the room. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to hear some of Chris's stories too. Um, so my background, I grew up in Saskatchewan. I uh, went to the University of Saskatchewan, um, and then shortly after university, um, I joined, uh, I'd say identify actually as a, as a failed scientist. Uh, so I went to university for genetic engineering, uh, sucked at it, um, and eventually made my way into, into sales consulting, uh, working with kind of Fortune 500 companies, oil and gas, universities, big pharma. And, uh, but my primary focus was really on my sport, and I was on the Canadian national wrestling team for about um, just over a decade and uh, was was lucky enough to be brought to the 2012 Olympic Games. And um, it was an incredible experience. And that was really kind of when I decided to take a little bit of a different path in my career. And, and so when I got back to, to Canada, I uh, teamed up with uh, a few friends from university and, and, and co-founded uh, Skip the Dishes. And, and there was really focused on, on um, working with restaurant partners, um, trying to figure out how does it, you know, what type of technology do we need to build in order to solve problems for them, uh, launching cities. And then um, after we were uh, acquired, I continued to lead our growth, um, both within Canada and, and also into other countries like Australia and uh, into, into Europe. Uh, and now I met up with uh, Chris Reed and, and uh, one of, a couple of my partners from Skip, and we've uh, ventured into, into banking and uh, really excited to be playing a very similar role at Neo Financial, working with uh, great retail brands, both big and small, and launching cities all across Canada, and uh, really trying to usher in the next uh, era of banking here in Canada. Cool. And so, given your wrestling background, it's safe to assume you're also in charge of security at the Neo offices. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we've eliminated fraud. We've eliminated any type of uh, security risks. Um, there's just a picture of me crouched, ready to attack. Um, that pops up whenever someone tries to to break our security, and that uh, seems to be working so far. Cool. That's, that's last great. line of defense. Yeah. <laughs> Famous last words, right, Chris? Yeah, exactly. We may have to uh, take you up on that, Jeff. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, we you know we have uh, people from all walks of life at, at Neo, but um, we do look for people who have. It doesn't need necessarily be an athletic background. It's really just anyone who's tried to be the best at whatever they've done and really applied themselves. And um, that can be sports. It can be technology. It can be even art. Like there's some brilliant uh, artists that work with us, um, both musical and, and creative. And, and uh, we had that at skip and we, and, and today I think that's really helping out to uh, having that, those people who really, really know how to push um, and also know how to fall and then get back up. Uh, so that's, that's something that, that, um, we draw on quite a bit. Cool. That's great. Uh, Chris, what about yourself? Let's hear, let's hear the story. Yeah, I, hopefully I can follow, um, such a sweet introduction from Jeff. Um, but I, uh, I came to Calgary in around, uh, 19, 1999 to go to the UFC. So that was really my introduction to to Calgary, um, computer science student there, uh, went on to uh, do my master's. And then I was really lucky to be an early hire at uh, Solium Capital, which of course is famous in Calgary now, right? Uh, ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley. And um, I really owe them a lot for starting my career. You know, Going there um, as a really young guy right out of school, uh, having that amazing startup experience. Um, you know, they had a, a huge vision from the start. Um, that really, you know, put a fire in me. And, and frankly, before that, I, I had no interest in entrepreneurship. I had no interest in startup companies. Um, you know, I just wanted to, to, to make things to code. Um, but I kind of caught that bug, uh, at Solium. And then, uh, you know, in the years that followed, um, you know, played a part in a number of Calgary startup companies. Um, always been, you know, really proud and happy to be involved in the community. Started a number of, of meetup groups uh, like the the Calgary Agile Meetup Group, um, and uh, you know, I, I think uh, you know some of those startup companies are still around today. Some are not. That's how you know startups go. Um, some were really really successful, um, and I think you know Solium uh, is one of those, um, and some less successful. I think that's okay. Um, I also did a a term with a company called ThoughtWorks. And uh, not sure if you're familiar with ThoughtWorks, but they're a global, you know, consulting company. Um, really famous for having um, some really luminary people there, like Martin Fowler, um, who you know is one of the you know, arguably one of the most famous computer scientists, software engineers, um, you know, the modern modern day. Um, and getting to work alongside people like that, or or Jez Humble, who in- invented continuous delivery, was really transformative for me really shaped how I how I think about uh, you know building teams and building process uh, not just building code and uh, you know after after working at ThoughtWorks uh, had a, a amazing opportunity to build a company here in Calgary called Vogogo and Vogogo was a uh, payments company that um, actually had a you could call it a lucky break. You could call it, you know, uh, uh, maybe being in the right place at the right time. But it had a huge impact on the cryptocurrency boom, sort of from around 2014 to 2017. Um, got to work with companies like Coinbase and Bitstamp and Kraken, who were instrumental in, you know, making Bitcoin what it is today, and you know, making it a household thing. Um, and uh, 
I think that was really my, um, you know, my experience where I felt comfortable as a CTO. I think at Avogogo, I felt like I could hire talented people. We could have a really high performance team. We could build amazing products. Uh, we could have our customers be happy, and uh, you know, I could work with with the you know, partners in the business and stakeholders in the business, and really make a huge difference. And um, and so coming out of Ogogo, uh, it was never clearer to me that you know this is what I would do for the rest of my life. It's just uh, you know, startup after startup um, until you know until I retire one day, maybe, or you know, or Jeff works me to death. Uh, with all the you know features he sold to our partners, um, and I think uh, yeah, at Neo, you know, my goal is to build the best engineering team, uh, you know, in Canada, and uh, create you know transformative banking software, and really having an amazing time doing it. Cool, that's good. Great, great uh, intro and background, Chris. So let's let's kind of get to what we're here to talk about. Then I think that is Neo. So for people listening, um, maybe if one of you can, can talk about Neo, you know, what, it, what's, what it's offering to businesses, what it's offering to consumers. I think a lot of people are starting to see those, uh, those green Neo stickers uh, show up on their local coffee shop. And, and maybe some people don't know what it's about. So yeah, if you can kind of walk us through what, what the offering looks like for all parties involved. Sure. Jeff, you kind of are responsible for that stickering campaign. So maybe you take this one. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, in order to really look at Neo and really understand what we're setting out to do, I think you have to take a couple steps back because the thing about, about banking and rewards is that most Canadians really only experience Canadian banking and they haven't yet really been exposed as to what's really going on around the world. And if you think about Canada in in kind of the uh, from a global perspective, it's the only country in the world where five companies own over ninety percent market share in something so important to our our lives. Um, in the G twenty, Canadians pay some of the highest fees for their everyday banking. And I think, and Chris, you could probably elaborate way more on this than I can, but they're operating on, on like their fundamental systems are operating on technology that was created in the 1950s. And so if you, if you really want to innovate in, in banking, you actually have to find someone who probably retired in the eighties, get them to come out of retirement and, and innovate on, on this kind of legacy code. And I don't know, Chris, if you, Chris, if you anything that on the, on the architecture or the code side of things. Yeah, I think, you know, technology changes so fast, right? We know that. And we know things like, you know, the cloud ha have transformed um, software and especially enterprise software systems dramatically. And you know, Jeff's right, you know, uh, of course, some, you know, banks in Canada have updated their software, but they continue to be, you know, burdened by pieces of legacy code. Uh, software systems that are older, and you know they're struggling and in investing millions and millions of dollars to even make their first inroads into things like cloud hosting or to um, you know mobile software development, um, and you know putting that uh, first class banking experience in the palm of your hand. Uh, I think something else everyone's familiar with in Canada is that things seem to take a long time when it comes to banking, right? Oh, you want to transfer money. It's going to take a couple of days. 
Um, and a lot of those delays are because they're you know, passing this data through these older legacy systems. And those systems were engineered to run you know, once a day at you know, midnight, something like that. And so Canadians are forced to, to tolerate that kind of experience because of the old software. Yeah. And, and I think that just to add on to that, Chris, like you think about all the other innovation that Canadians have seen through, whether that's food delivery or streaming with Netflix, hailing a cab with Uber, ordering something on Amazon and getting it like the same day. Um, a lot of these types of innovations have, have really not yet come to the Canadian baking industry. And it's not that they're not possible. It's just that no one's done it yet. You know, there hasn't been the right team to do that yet. And so what we're setting out to do is really build the, the, the most rewarding banking experience that Canadians have ever seen. Um, and that is starting with a, an everyday MasterCard that people can use uh, anywhere MasterCard is accepted, giving people five to 10 X the rewards that they would normally get. Um, and none of this like super complicated point systems, but just instant cash back that are personalized to their own behavior. And then the last thing just starting out with is one of the highest interest rates uh, for a savings account in Canada and not a savings account that is, has all these strings attached and you have to keep, you know, minimum balances. You can only make two transactions a day and, you know, it's going to change, you know, in, in a week or a month or three months. We truly want to provide Canadians with the most value uh, in banking. And that, that is really what we've started out with is the biggest bang for the buck uh, for Canadians and, and an experience that that really wraps these things all together and integrates them into one seamless experience that I think that once people use Neo, will compare it more to a Spotify, to a Netflix than they will to any current banking experience in Canada. Cool. Yeah, I love the sentiment. And um, I covered this topic a little bit uh, on another podcast I did earlier in the year with uh, Helsum. But, you know, I, I actually have a bank account that are over uh, in the UK, you know, EU. And so I'm ex- experienced what the banking sector is like there as compared to here. Um, and, you know, I, I think if I think if you told people over in Europe who've never experienced Canadian banking that if I want to send you some money for I owe you for dinner or whatever it is for $50, I need to send you an email transfer, which you then have to enter a password in to accept. And one of us pays a fee to do that. They would tell you, like they would look at you funny, like why? That's crazy. How how is that? How is that established processing? I give you the way it works over there. I give you my account number. I press send fifty bucks, and it shows up in the other person's account two seconds later. Like it's it's. I feel badly for Canadians, and and on the fees, the fees part of it too, right? You got the most reliable dividend you can get are the Canadian banks, right? You you have money that you want to feel safe with. You're 70 years old and you've got a million bucks and you want it to be returning you 5%. There you go. And and that dividend comes at a cost to the whole country, right? Totally, Adam. And, and you know what? It's I think any proud Canadian shouldn't be proud of the fact that we pay the most and get the least. You know, and, and like to me, like we are very heads down focused on building... Canada's best bank here in the prairies. And, and I think that, you know, you, when I, t- I kind of opened up with talking about what's going on around the world. You talk about the UK, but even look at China, you know, like they have super apps where you can literally run your whole life off of one app. You can book a hotel, hail a cab, text your buddies, you know, e-transfer, do your banking, pay people all from one app. And in those other countries, whether it's South America, whether that's Africa, that are actually leapfrogging technology now. 
Um, and, you know, as someone who really cares about this country, uh, I think we have to, we have to innovate in this, in this area. It's so important to Canadians lives that if, if we don't, we either are going to get left behind or someone's going to come in from abroad and do it. And that, that was something that we thought was going to happen with, with food delivery, which I don't think is nearly as important as banking as people's financial wellness. But in food delivery, we knew that Canadians historically have always imported their consumer brands. Like there hasn't been really many consumer brands that have, that have started in Canada in the last 20 to 30 years and that have actually gotten national and, and deep penetration in each city across Canada. Like really the last, um, I was thinking about this the other day, I think, you know, aside from Blackberry, Lululemon and Skip, there really aren't many companies because all the other brands that we interact with are either foreign owned companies, whether that's Walmart or Netflix, Spotify, Uber, Amazon, or companies like Canadian Tire or Loblaws that were started a hundred years ago. So I think that we, we want, like, we, we think that consumer brands have such a huge impact on, on our culture, on our lives. And we want those companies to be built and to be run here in Canada or else we're just going to continue to be a country that, that imports its culture and imports its, its brands. Yeah, for sure. Great sentiment. Um, so, so let's talk about a little bit of the, of the angle from the business side of things, right? Um, why does my local coffee coffee shop, have a, have a Neo sticker on the front or what, what, it, what makes them excited about doing that? Yeah. So I think the, the, the approach that we're taking in banking is really to start with focusing on creating value for the retailers, for the small, for the medium sized, large businesses really help solve the problem for them. And um, while we were at skip, we, we actually had a lot of businesses that were coming to us and they want to know more about their customers. They want to figure out ways of, of growing um, and unfortunately, in the offline world, a lot of the data that is needed in order to understand customers is really unavailable. It's, it's actually trapped within the big five banks. They can't access it. And so what we, what we really did is we, we built a model where Neo acts as a bridge between brands and their customers and allows them um, ways of incentivizing customers to spend at their businesses and it's done in a way that that actually doesn't cost the brands any money. And that, that's kind of the beautiful thing about the, the model and the approach that we've taken is that a, a restaurant or a coffee shop can get up and running on Neo in, in basically 24 hours without any type of technology, without any changes to their operations. And they can get people coming in and spending incrementally and spending additionally to what they normally would have without them having to be out of pocket for having to pay for things like advertising or, or clicks or impressions. Um, Cause right now they, the alternatives that they have to grow their business typically are very uh, risky. And whether that's buying a billboard or putting up an ad, um, they don't have a lot of great options that give them a very clear ROI. And Neo is really able to do that for them. Yeah. Right. And, and so what does the competitive space look like here in terms of like, you know, this rewards thing, like, you know, Lots of companies have taken cracks at this in Canada over the years. You've, you know, Air Miles is still, they're still alive and kicking. I think they got a couple of their big anchor, anchor deals and Shell and Safeway and some of those guys. But, you know, I guess your, your big edge here is really the fact that you're giving them kind of that relationship with the customer and the feedback. I mean, my assumption here is that a company like Air Miles is actually going to have some pretty good data. Um, but whether or not they choose to monetize that data, I guess, is, is another question. 
Well, and maybe I'll answer the, the the first question there. And actually, I would love to hear Chris talk about air miles because you might know that the technology stack a lot better. But just on your question about about the stickers, and when you think about a business, when when someone comes and spends um, at a at a restaurant or a cafe, typically they're pulling out a credit card out of their wallet, and that might be an air miles card or a PC financial credit card or Aeroplan. None of those cards help a business aside from getting the revenue. They don't, they don't get anything else out of that. They don't get any data. They don't get any, any way of connecting back with that customer to, to, to help lure them back to spend more. Um, and, and so the reason why they put up these stickers is that Neo is the only credit card that really is, that really has their back and is really helping get customers to come back and spend more. And, that, and that's done through the data that we're able to provide to both sides, the personalized offers that customers get in the form of rewards and in, in the form of the additional revenue that the businesses get. So they, they want people to use Neo because it's really the only way that they're going to get any value out of the whole credit card game. Um, and then on, on, on the kind of competitive space, Chris, I, I'd love to hear what, like, yeah, because uh, I don't even know the, the what air miles and, and the other stacks out there. What comes to mind for me is, you know, think about the, the air miles experience today, right? So you're buying groceries, you're at the till and okay, you know, swipe your air miles card to continue. And now you're digging, you know, through your wallet, looking for your air miles card. You, you, maybe you find it and you, and you tap it. And then what do you get? You don't even know what you got. Right. And, you know, maybe you got some air mile. I don't even really know what an air mile is. Um, or what the value of an air mile is, right? It sounds, it and, sounds really good, though. Yeah, and then maybe you get a, like a, I guess, kind of... <laughs> a paper statement, maybe at the end of the year, saying that you have some. Um, and, and I think where technology comes in is, is transforming, you know, that that experience um, by integrating completely, you know, the the credit card, the payment experience, and, and mobile apps. We can give someone an instant reward. You know, you. When you use Neo and you you pay, you will get an immediate notification. Hey, you know, money has been deposited in your actual account. It's already happened. You don't need to, you know, have that that extra card in your wallet. And um, you know, you you can get insights through the app about all right. Well, you know, why did I earn this? What's this worth? Uh, what could I? What more could I have done to earn more? What could I do next time? And and really feel connected to the rewards program. There's a level of transparency, um, you know, in that uh, in hand app experience and that real time experience that we can add. So, so Adam, like you said, a lot of companies are in this space, but a lot of them aren't thinking about it as a as a end to end, fully integrated, you know, technology solution that, like Jeff said, merchants can get up and running right away with no integration and no effort and no changes. But then the customer has this like totally seamless, smooth experience. They don't even, you know, there's no QR codes involved. There's, it's very much just like spend with your card. That, that's all there is to it. And we shouldn't pick on, on AirMouse too much because I think, and also Chris heads up on the QR codes. they're coming back. I'm just saying. I know QR codes are coming QR back. Codes yeah. are making a comeback. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's always easy to pick on air miles cause they're, they're the, the kind of the big brother. Um, they've been around for a long time, very successful company, but it, I think that the promise of air miles 
and what they're now delivering are very different. And I think when, if you look back in the nineties, when, when air miles started up, it was this kind of loyalty 2.0 where, you know, brands can pool together their aggregated brand value and it provides a much more compelling value proposition to a customer because I can just carry on one card and, and I, I get rewarded for, for lots of different types of purchases. And, and for the retailer, the promised land was, I get all this great data and I still get to control the customer experience. Um, and I think what's kind of now happened is that it hasn't really delivered on that promise fully because of the fact that like, the, like Chris was talking about in terms of the end to end experience, the brands have never really been able to get the data that they want. They don't really have the control that they want on the customer side. It's a, you know, it's a little unknown what, what they're worth and, and how to use them. You have to kind of go out of your way to redeem. And, but I think more fundamentally, the, the, fir- the framework or the structure of the relationship between the three parties, and that, that's the customer, the brand, and, and Air Miles, is Air Miles has kind of inserted themselves in between the brand and the customer. And the nature of their relationship is that they extract value out of that, out of that equation. And so let's just say I'm a, I'm a brand, I'm, I'm a business and I want to give my customers 2% back in the form of either points or cash back, whatever that might be. Well, if I've got a, a middleman in the middle there that's extracting value out and saying basically, hey, if you want to give your customers two points, you've got to give me 28% of that or something. Well, then now I'm saying, well, then my customer's only going to get 1.8. And so it it's it kind of it limits the amount that a retailer or a brand can really invest through that channel because you're always kind of feeding this this um, kind of value uh, subtractor that's involved. Now it's not to say that they don't add value; they definitely do. But it's the the the, the way that they fund their business is through kind of extracting value out of that relationship. And I think where Neos is different is that restaurants, merchants, retailers they don't pay us any commissions. You know, they're like, we don't pull anything out of that relationship. In fact, a hundred percent of what a merchant uses to to provide rewards goes straight to the customer. And then it's enriched through the data so that we know who should get what in order to actually make sure it's meaningful for the customer, but also valuable and profitable for, for the merchant as well. I think there's an element, there's an element of, um, technology at huge corporations too becoming more accessible to smaller and you know medium-sized businesses. If you look at, you know, of course Walmart can have technology. Of course Starbucks has an amazing app and an amazing loyalty program. Like I actually really love their loyalty program. Um, but can your local coffee shop have something on par with Starbucks? And what would that cost them, you know, if they were just if they were paying for it, right? Uh, can a, a smaller grocer you know, the, uh, someone in Calgary like Flush Lane, uh, could they, you know, have something on the level of Superstore? Uh, and I think the great thing about Neo is it's so accessible for those merchants um, that they can get an app experience, a payments experience, a loyalty experience that is competitive, right? With those multi, like, hundred million billion dollar empires um, and they can just set it up tomorrow. Um, so I think we really do stand out in that space. And even and think about Shopify too. Like they've made a, 
a, a killing. Like they, everyone knows it's a household name now, I think globally that they've, you know, they've removed the friction from, from selling online to millions of, of entrepreneurs and small businesses. And they're giving these, these people the same tech experience that, that the big guys have. So it's, it's definitely proven. Yeah. And I, I do connect with the, uh, with, with the grocery store, uh, story there, Chris, of, you know, fumbling for your MLS card and then not really knowing what happens is, you know, I bought some bananas and I don't know what I get back for that. So it's, it's a, I think it's a story that probably a lot of people uh, will connect with, but I, I should say though, I, I have been part of the air miles loyalty program for, I don't know how long, probably 20 years or something. I don't know. And I have reaped some rewards from it. Um, I've got flights from it and yeah. So, I, but, but, uh, I think, yeah, maybe it's, it's time to move to a bit of a different approach. So I, I, I totally get where you're coming from on that. So uh, kind of on that, on the point about merchants and uptake. Now I know, uh, you guys had run a program, uh, earlier in 2020, your initial kind of launch where you kind of had your beta customers and you issued some number of cards, I think. Um, so I'd be curious to know what the growth has been like on the consumer side and also on the businesses side, right? Like how many businesses are actually are now on board. Um, is that number something that you can disclose? Cause I'm just curious and, and yeah, like what's the uptake looking like and what cities are you in and what are the customers, what are the actual end customers looking like right now? Yeah. So I think the, I mean the last, so the majority of this year has been really focused on building and I think it's been building on the tech side. It's been building on the, the merchant network side. And, and so I'll speak to the, the merchant side, the, the uptake, I think there, there's, there's been a strong desire, I think for a while for there to be, a way for merchants to grow that isn't cost prohibitive. And, and I think that um, we, you were talking about air miles, like that's not available to your everyday coffee shop. That's not available to even your mid market brands. Um, and so we've, we've seen a huge uptake. So, I mean, across even just Western Canada, we've had about 2,500 uh, brands join, uh, join Neo with about three to 400 joining every month. So it's been, it's been very, very promising to see that that uptake, and, and again, I think that's partially because we've really removed a lot of the friction from getting them started. It's one thing we learned um, that people may want to work with you, but if it's a ton of work to work with you, then they just have other things to go. And and again, this is all under the the kind of specter of, of COVID nineteen as well. And so, even despite the fact that people are the ground is shifting beneath their feet we've been able to build these great relationships and that, that could be, you know, a place like Lena's grocery or Phil and Sebastian coffee roasters, you know, to, to some larger brands like Sentara or, or Earl's. Um, so there, there's really been some positive feedback on that front. Um, and now, uh, Chris, maybe on the tech side, I mean, maybe you could talk a little bit about what the what kind of different features and product that we built. Yeah. So as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we, we launched a credit card, you know, a MasterCard, a real MasterCard with real credit, um, and then followed it up with uh, a savings account that pays one of the highest interest rates in the country. And uh, launching those two products, you know, back to back, and really having them out of the gate, uh, definitely a, a you know a big challenge, and I think a big differentiator, and uh, you know, gives us the ability to, you know, not only attract customers who want. You know, a spending tool who want that MasterCard they can use everywhere, but even customers who maybe you know aren't interested in credit or have you know a lower amount of credit, they can get tremendous value out of the savings account features. And and each of those products has so many little things that you know Neo tries to do 
to stand apart. Um, whether it's, hey, let's just make it easier to move money from your savings account, a NEO, to your credit card you know, instantly. Um, or whether it's, hey, let's make sure we do a great job you know, notifying you when your, your payments are due so that you don't you know, fall behind. And uh, you know, let's make sure we're really, really transparent about um, the activity happening on your card. Let's give you the ability to freeze your card or unfreeze your card at will, right? So you can say, oh, you know, something strange happened, freeze the card. Oh, no, it was actually that place I shopped on the weekend, unfreeze the card. Um, and those kinds of little features, um, there, there are dozens of them, probably more than I can talk about on, uh, you know, on this call that we've just added in uh, week after week in you. Yeah, and I think that to add on that, Chris, you know, as you're, as you're thinking about the approach to take on the banking industry, like it's, you always have this, this kind of allure of like, okay, well, we just need to get something out. And I think that the, the quick approach is you just produce another MasterCard and it's a kind of an earn and burn and you get points for doing this and, you know, very traditional. And I think that it's just been done so many times and Canadians don't need another of the same thing, you know? And, and, and so I think that what we've really focused on is really building out the, the underlying architecture and the framework so that when Canadians are using Neo, and obviously we have thousands of cardholders, but it, it, it's a people are noticing that Neo is actually getting better rapidly. Like there's new things coming out, and it's improving faster than they've seen any, certainly any banking app, but probably faster than any app they're using today. Um, and, and even like people are just so used to such a slow pace when it comes to their banking apps. It's just like they're they're using it reluctantly. And now we're seeing types of engagement that are unheard of in, in a banking app where people are actually going there to make their buying decisions. You know, once, it, once someone wants to get a cup of coffee, they're saying, Hey, actually like if I can get my first coffee for free at this place, or if, if I go and buy maybe two more from Phil and Sebastian, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a free coffee. And, and, and we keep track of all that for customers. So it's, it certainly is a huge grind. Like I don't want to talk about how it's just super easy and customers are just flocking to us every day. It's it's a it's a massive lift. Chris's team is like they're pushing the envelope every single day. Like these guys are are and girls are, are working their butts off, um, and it's really starting to show. I, I think that the challenge I have is that it's it's like kind of like an iceberg, where only a little bit is visible. But then underneath it, there's just this massive amount of thought that has gone into where are we going and making sure that what we're building is going to be something that we can build on top of it. And that's really where I've, I've really gained a lot of respect for Chris and his team is really that thought is through what do we need to build today in order to put us in, in, a, in a place six, 12 months from now that we're going to be successful from a tech perspective or a strategy perspective. I like that iceberg analogy as well, because a huge part of what, um, like what my team gets to do is work on things like, you know, having the best security of any, you know, fintech company in Canada. And we take that stuff tremendously seriously. Um, not something you really get to see unless it goes wrong, right? You hear news about how you know, this company was hacked, that company, you know, breached credit card numbers or breached email addresses. And, uh, you know, that's something that we absolutely more than anything else would, would never have happened at Neo. Um, and, you know, 
the engineering team uh, spends an insane amount of time doing far, far, far more than you know what um, what's required. Even you know even with regulations and compliance, doing far, far more, and you know working with partners and working with third parties to make sure we're you know we're insanely safe, insanely secure, you know, and architected in a way that protects everyone uh, who works with us. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, and points points to follow up there for both of you, I guess. So you know. Um, one is obviously strategically, I think, Jeff, your, your background in, in engagement with merchants and restaurants has lent itself very well to this type of business, right? I mean, there's, I, I don't know how much overlap there is, but there's something of value there. So that's, that's a, a really positive thing. I'd be curious to see what kind of benefit you've gotten from your past experience in, in that. And, and then Chris, on the tech side, you know, for people who don't know much about software development or how networks work or banking works, the barrier to entry to processing credit card transactions and banking is extremely high, right? Like there's a reason why there's not a lot of people that are trying to do this because it's difficult. And you know, you have to meet certain certain standards and minimums. You're dealing with MasterCard, you're dealing with whatever financial institutions. Um so I'd be be keen to hear, you know, your thoughts on that and and kind of elaborate on so people can just get, kind of get the grasp of of what the inside of that iceberg actually looks like. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what to say, but you're right. It really, anything can be done if you hire enough talented people and work hard enough, right? So, the when it comes to you know the the fintech industry, financial uh, companies like Neo, or other payments companies, you you mentioned, you know, uh, Helsim, another sort of Calgary uh, success story. Um, companies l- like us need to. You know, spend a tremendous amount of time, energy, and money just working on, you know, figuring out what could go wrong, um, what bad actors are out there, what's happening to other companies, um, and making sure that you know we're prepared and that we, you know, are secure and that you know it, it's not just securing um, software. It's not like uh, when you install the latest patch on your laptop computer. Uh, we we also have to worry about things like um, you know data integrity or the relationships you know we make with with uh, technology providers, um, how we store data, uh, backups, and um, there's just an endless number, honestly, of things that the engineering team does to to you know make sure we can deliver um, a superior, safer better experience um, to everyone when it comes to payments and, and credit cards. Yeah. And I think that um, when you're talking about the, the relationships and, and whether that's merchants or, or banks and processors, I think that's, that's a, uh, a valuable lesson I think that we learned in the past. And I think that it's really paying off right now is like, obviously it helps having existing relationships with, whether that be with, with Canadian brands, but I think more importantly, it's it's the understanding how to to work together, and I think that um, we want to go fast and we want to go far, and we know that that means that we have to pick the right partners to work with through whether that's banking partners or whether that's um, through the retail brands that we choose to work with, and and then once we've we've kind of started down this path with them is really just about. You know, how do you handle the natural friction that's going to occur with any type of partnership? And how do you align towards a common goal and work together and, you know, 
disagree, but then double down. And so that's something that's been, I think, really, really helpful. And we're still learning. Like I, I'd say like we're, we're still not where we, we need to be in order to really accomplish our goals. And so it's something that, that we're working on constantly. And I think we're, we're getting better at, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's really our, our business model is built on partnerships and, and we've got thousands of them on the, on the business, on the retail uh, partnership side, but then we also have tons of great partners, be it internal tools that we're using or, or um, banking and processors too. Yeah. An example would be, you know, we build our own technology to, to look for credit card fraud. And of course we don't, you know, want any credit card fraud coming through our credit cards, but we also work with amazing partners, right? Amazing vendors. And, and we pick companies that are known, you know, as being best in class, having the best AI, the best machine learning, the best algorithms to, to reduce fraud. And you know, we work with them day in and day out, um, doing engineering on the Neo side and they're doing engineering on their side and, you know, joining forces to bring something amazing to market. And I think one of the great things about, about Neo, you know, being a, a new technology company is you know, we understand what, what those guys are trying to do. They're trying to disrupt their own industry. They're trying to leverage amazing new tech. They're trying to you know, hire the best and brightest. And, and you know, we're totally aligned um, when it comes to, to culture and how technology can change people's lives. And so we can engage these vendors, I think, um, a lot better. And we can choose vendors that I think have a lot you know, more to add, more value uh, for Canadians. Yeah, and I think that uh, there's one interesting thing to add on there, Chris. And, and Adam, you may have seen this in your own business, is uh, most businesses, they have a way of kind of working with either third-party companies or, or basically they have a kind of a, a off-the-shelf way of doing things with companies outside of themselves. And I think where the pro and con, I think the pro is we definitely approach things in pretty unconventional ways. And so we'll approach a company that maybe is best in class at something. And we say, Hey, what if we, we solve this problem together in a different way? And in some ways it's really uncomfortable because you're, you're talking to a company that maybe has done a thousand deals a certain way. And you're saying, Hey, okay, what about if we do it this way? And <laughs> sometimes, you know, people are like, whoa, whoa, you just can't do that. Like, that's just not the way things are done. And then you're like, okay, well, to take a step back and let's kind of zoom out a little bit here. And like, let's look at the problem that we're actually trying to solve. And we, we totally get that you do it this way every day. It works quite well. It's going to keep working well. But, you know, you know, I think Wayne Gretzky said, well, where's the puck going? Like, do you want to go to where the puck is going or do you want to chase after it? And we're kind of coming to a lot of these companies, whether that be the, the brands that we work with, or um, it, it could be the, the the partners we work on the tech side and say, like, let's just see if we can maybe take a different approach. And then there's usually some people in these organizations that are the misfits that are like, I've always been wanting to do it this way. And like, we'll get some champions within these organizations. And then, then we're able to come up with really, really, you know, a creative uh, partnerships that allow us to really level up and, and Canadians are ultimately going to benefit from these because they're the ones that are going to be using the product and, and being impressed by with, Holy crap. I didn't know this was even possible with, with banking technology or rewards. I didn't know it could, I didn't know this, was, this even existed. Yeah. Cool. So, um, on the growth side of things, um, Canada wide obviously is going to be probably a, a goal for you, uh, in the near term. And then, um, have you guys thinking bigger picture? You think, you know, 
the U.S. would be uh, would be a wonderful market to to get your foot into if you can. Um, have you given any thought to that, or are we are we a little tight lipped on that? Maybe for the for the foreseeable future. I think uh, like yeah, so we could obviously get asked that quite a bit, and I think that one thing that whether it's Americans or European investors, they they often will ask like, is this a global thing? Or they don't really have an understanding of how big the Canadian banking industry is. And even if you look at what we did at Skip the Dishes, we had a ton of difficulty talking to investors because they're like, ah, Canada only, you know, we even launched in the U S we were in five or six States um, because investors, they just didn't think that Canada was big enough. Um, and now you just, you look at, and I think skip did 4.2 billion there. I think they're on track to do over 4 billion in, in revenue um, this year in Canada alone. So it, it's, there's some, I think what we've done is we've helped educate a lot of investors and a lot of people abroad that actually Canada is a pretty darn big market and our ambitions, I don't think stop at Canada, but certainly that's going to be our proving ground. And I think that the problem that we're solving isn't one that's really alone, you know, in, in, in just Canada. I think that it's, it's in the U.S., it's in the U.K., it's, it's honestly, it's across the globe. Canada just happens to be the furthest behind, and I think the pain is probably most pronounced. Um, but I think that um, certainly, you know, the mid-market U.S., uh, U.K., Australia, New Zealand, um, there's certainly opportunities there, too. And we're seeing, I think, other comparable uh, fintech banks uh, expand quite rapidly into other countries. Got it. Sorry, Chris, go ahead. Anything else you want to add? I was going to add that, you know, we, we see this opportunity to, you know, transform the banking industry in Canada. Um, let's say we convince 10% of Canadians to become, you know, extremely happy Neo customers. Um, what's the next step, right? Is it the U.S.? Well, why not get 20% of Canadians? Well, and then when you have 20% of Canadians, why not get 30% of Canadians? So the, the market... And the opportunity is so huge. And, and like Jeff said, we're the furthest behind. You know, pitching uh, a product in the UK, you know, Adam, you said there are already great products there. So pitching against them is uh, a battle. And yeah, maybe we could do better. Or maybe they're better at some things. But in Canada, there are just tens of millions of people with, with nothing or with very few options. And, and so it's... It's the sweetest market. It's the best market. Um, it's where we can have the biggest impact and where I think customers will appreciate the product the most, right? So uh, I think we focus on Canada, you know, um, more or less. Yep. Don't, don't bite off more than you can chew. Um, that's a good, good approach. And yeah, save us, save us, Neil. You're our only hope. Well, I think, though, I mean, there is a bit of a, I don't know if it's a stereotype in Canada, though. Like we do build too many companies that maybe, are focused on Canada. Like I remember back in the in early days of, of starting Skip that we'd bump into other entrepreneurs and they're like, oh, we're trying to build this province-wide app. And it's like, oh, we're going to build it for the city of Saskatoon or city of Winnipeg. And, and I think generally as Canadians, we do need to set our sights a little bit higher though um, than, than just Canada. And, and I love seeing these proof points with, with Solium, now Shareworks and Benevity now that like these are wicked companies. They're, they're companies that are spanning the globe now. And, you know, I don't think that they get the recognition they deserve because they're like, 
they're working with like Nike and Apple. And, and I think that, um, that that's why I was kind of harping on consumer brands because I, I want the next Nike and the next Apple to be from Canada. Um, instead of us just servicing these companies, I think we can start creating those companies. And, and I think that, um, I would love to, like when I, when I stop and ask people about Solium and, and Wopenevity, still most people have never heard of them. And they're, they're incredible companies that are, that are incredibly valuable. They're employing thousands of people in high performance jobs. Um, so I don't think they get near the recognition they deserve. And, and, and if we start recognizing the con- contributions that they're making, then I think we'll start, like if we hold it up higher, um, in society, I think we'll start attracting more of the right types of people to these companies, which then creates this snowball effect, this compounding effect where you have more companies hitting that billion dollar validation mark. Um, and, and it kind of is a, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. But we're just not quite there yet because you only really ever hear about it when, once it's kind of like, oh, this company is acquired. And it's like, well... Maybe we should have paid attention to them in the five to 10, 20 years yeah. before they got to that point. And the, um, on the, on the point of, you know, employing people and, and hiring, that's a, that's a kind of a subject that's close to me and, and being part of the development community in Alberta. Um, so, you know, Chris, I know I see your, I see your posts on the, uh, on the Slack channels on the rainforest and YYC dev and wherever every week. And I think this week somebody wrote a comment saying, Chris, would you please just make a post when you're not hiring? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I'm everywhere. It's true. Uh, I, I, so, you know, it would be uh, pretty interesting to hear, you know, from your perspective, what that, what that looks like. You're obviously a, a tech company. You're employing a lot of developers. I mean, I know there are other facets of the business where people are being, are being hired, but I know, you know, you have a big tech pool and, and uh, I'd love to hear about what you're seeing in the, on the tech talent market and, um, hiring in general? For sure. I mean, the first thing I want to say is, you know, Calgary is a really exciting place to be building a tech company and, and you know, hiring people. And, and like you said, Adam, not just you know, software developers, but hiring in, in so many different roles. Uh, I think one of the, the great things about Calgary is, you know, we do have the, you know, uh, this, this talent base and it's, it's great schools, right? You know this. We have so many, you know, amazing universities and college programs. Whether it's UC or Mount Royal or State, right? Uh, graduating great students, um, but we also have this talent pool that you know came up. You know, maybe in other industries, maybe it's oil and gas, maybe it's energy over the last you know few decades, um, but but. People in that industry, you know, they're no strangers to hard work. They're no strangers to uh, innovating something, right? And yeah, maybe ten years ago they were innovating geological software, right? But they were trying to start something. They're trying to build something. They're trying to do it from scratch. They're trying to do it right here in Calgary. They're you know um, putting something together. And people have been through that in Calgary, and uh, you know that's something we can pull into to Neo. Uh, and, and there are definitely other cities out there that have great schools and there's other cities out there that have you know tech communities. But um, there is an entrepreneurial spirit, I think, in, Al- in Alberta that's one of the best in Canada. And uh, I think that really you know, is helping us. So we've been really successful hiring a lot of people this year. You know, I, I know there are, that we're hiring more 
and the, the focus is often like, oh, how, how fast are you growing? How many people are you adding this month? How many people are you adding next month? But in the last 12 months, we've added so, so many people at NEO. We've grown so fast. We've grown so successfully. Um, so many you know, brilliant developers, so many amazing designers, so many amazing managers, so many artists, uh, people from all walks of life. And uh, I think that's, that's really part of our strength, right? Um, I'm going to continue to hire as fast as I can. You know, we, we have so much opportunity and, and that's what's driving the hiring. You know, if you want to know why we're hiring so much, it's because we can reach so many Canadians. There's just so many people who need a better product. And there are so many banking products to disrupt. And so we, we need uh, that talent to make it happen. Um, and when we find it, we hire it. Yeah, I think um, to add on that too, I think a couple of things that you mentioned there, Chris, jump out at me and, and you talked about the schools and, and our youth. And, you know, when I think of growing up in, in Saskatchewan, um, actually, even even when I was a fully grown adult, I remember talking to to Chris and Josh Samir about uh, starting up Skip the Dishes. And they're like, yeah, we want, really want to do a startup. And I was like, I, I actually had to ask them, what is a startup? I didn't actually even know what it was. And I was already done university at that point and I hadn't come across it in my life. Um, now again, that maybe I live under a rock. Um, but that's literally just, it was not a part of the culture of me growing up. It wasn't part of the culture of university. And I think that if you think about a, a kid that's in school right now, who are they thinking about working for 10, 15, 20 years from now? And, and when I talk to, to kids, like I, I, I help out with some, some wrestling programs and I still, you know, back home and stuff. And I, and I hear that they want to go to work for Google. They want to go work for Apple. They want to go and work for these cool tech companies. And we need to change that narrative and get people saying, actually, I want to go and work for Benevity and I want to go work for, for Neo or Atabotics or Cement. Like, that's what we need people talking about because that's the only way we're going to keep these people here. And, and I think that when, when I was wrapping up my time at skip, I was thinking about, okay, well, what do we want to do next? And it's like, okay, we can go and chill out and just relax and, you know, get fat and lazy. Um, but at the end of the day, like why we built a company in the first place was we wanted, we, we kind of thought about, okay, what does the next hundred years look like? hundred years from now, 200 years from now, like why are people even going to live in the prairies? And it's like, well, well, cause they're going to be able to have lives here, but how are they going to have lives here? Like what's going to keep them here? Well, we've got like a burgeoning oil and gas sector, we've got mining. It's like, yeah, but the world is going to change quite a bit, I think in the next hundred, 200 years. And if, and what's kind of on the rise, like what, what industries are in their spring versus which industries are in their fall or their winter. And I think that if, as a country, and especially as the prairies were, which is a lot closer to my heart, if we're not building companies that are that are in industries that are in their spring, that are on their growth, like technology, for example, then we're going to be left behind. You know, we're not going to catch the the wave. You know, during this age of information revolution that's occurring right now, and I think um, as Canadians, if we want to have a position of preeminence in the world in general, I think we need to be producing companies that 
that are on the very cutting edge of, of emerging industries and industries that are going to play an important part in the next hundred years of our history. And so I think that that's really important. And I, and I, and I kind of talk about this ad nauseum to people because I think it is very, very important in our position, I think in the world and in our position in, in Canada, because, and even if you look at the, the ecosystems out in Toronto and Vancouver are developing rapidly and it's pulling people out of the prairies. It's pulling people to, to Toronto and Vancouver. And at that trend, you just fast forward that trend. Why are people here? And I think that there's an incredible spirit and, and down to earthness. I don't know if that's a word or not, but there's this people talk about meeting people from the prairies and they have good associations with those encounters. There's, there's good people, hardworking people, you know, no ego, you know, they want to work hard and they want to, they want to make the world a better place. And I think that that's something that is, that we're known for. And I, I don't, I think we can keep that while at the same time have these ambitions of building global companies. Um, but we, it means we need to start and we need to attract the right people and, and or keep the right people here. And, and that doesn't mean that when we talk about when I hear Chris talk about like how we're growing, we're hiring fast and stuff. And it's like, I don't necessarily want to attract the people who just want to get in on the action, because I think it's also really important to say that Neo is not going to be the right fit for someone who's looking for something that's that's not challenging. Like you're because what we're setting out to do is incredibly challenging. It's incredibly ambitious. And I think anyone who's ever accomplished anything knows that it's, it's damn tough. And there's days when you probably want to give up. And then you're reminded about why you're doing this and why it's so important that we succeed. And so the people that we're trying to attract is really these people who actually want to have an impact. They actually want to help transform the prairies. Um, We don't want like oil and gas can, can kind of continue to be a great industry or not. We just want the most talented people who want to to see the prairies be a place where there can be global tech companies that get a thrill out of a challenge. Um, those are the people who have that, <clears throat> excuse me, pioneering spirit that really formed the prairies in the first place. And and have those people come in and build with us or build with other companies, too, because, I mean, there's other companies that need talented people, too, like the, the other tech companies in, in the prairies, too. Yep. I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see us leverage the experience and expertise we have in, in the prairies in terms of, uh, agriculture and the energy sector as well. Right. I'm not sure if you guys saw there was a report out this week or last week as a, a company in, I think it was in Saskatchewan drilled at the, at the deepest horizontal well in, in Canadian history, it might've been worldwide, or I think it was some, they set some landmark with extremely deep horizontal well, um, which was purely for geothermal, right. And, and and the amount of energy coming out of this thing was, is enormous. I think they said it was something like 5,000 homes could be powered with this. Right. And so like, that's, that's mega, right. But that's a, that's a serious drill project. And we have a lot of people who know how to do that stuff here. Totally. So, and that, and that can be applied anywhere, right. Anywhere where they feel like there's enough geothermal activity, yeah. we could be applied around, around the world. And that would be great for Canada. And whether it's, I think, sorry, Jeff, Chris. I was going to say, you know, whether it's, it's you know geothermal, whether it's oil and gas, whether it's the financial industry, uh, you know that that same pioneering spirit Jeff was talking about is is what 
you know, makes it go. And uh, I actually know there's a lot of people, you know, in Calgary, uh, especially during COVID, you know, gets us all down from time to time. And they say, well, maybe you know, Calgary can never be the next Silicon Valley. That's you know, we're we're so far from that today. Um, and you know, that's not how uh, pioneers think about things. Uh, my, actually, my great grandfather was one of the original Alberta pioneers, and like came to Alberta and like homesteaded here. And I'm sure, you know, this was this was really a, a wasteland in like the late 1800s. You know, I'm sure there was nothing in Calgary, and people might have said, "This is never going to be." A big place. This is, you know, there's never going to be a city here. Um, those pioneers definitely didn't, you know, take no for an answer. And uh, and I'm sure, you know, in the early days of the oil and gas boom too, you know, maybe hey, Calgary's not going to turn into as you know great a city as Houston or or whatever. But but it, it happened, right? And I think, yeah, we can definitely do that with you know green tech uh, companies like Atabotics. Jeff mentioned, you know, building robots. That's crazy. And then uh, you know we're we're building you know, financial systems. It's it's going to be great. Well, too, and, and too, what you said there, Adam, too, is you know that technology for that horizontal drilling, like, and that, that's actually one of the success stories that people don't talk about. I don't think nearly enough is that the human capital and and innovation that occurred and that's been was created in Alberta and now is being exported globally for different projects. That is a huge huge value. Um, whereas a lot of people talk about just like all oh, the oil sands and Fort McMurray and just like, like they kind of think of it more kind of like Canadian projects, but and less about like, well, actually this, this innovation in how we drill is actually now used globally and is used for, pro- th- you know, thousands of projects. That's the type of value creation that we need to con- to continue to be focused on. Um, again, this is my, my personal belief. Um, and less focused on the value extraction of the actual, you know, you know, extraction of, of, of oil or energy itself, but on the actual innovation that's occurring. And, um, but ultimately you got, we, we have got to put our money where our mouth is and, and actually build these companies. And, you know, I always like think about, like, I think life in Canada generally is, is pretty comfortable for not all people, but for many people that like Canada is a great country, country to live in. And, I think back like historically, like the, some of the jobs that the people who came before us had in order to get us to the opportunity where we're at today, like life is a lot better for the most part for people, not everyone, but for, for many people. And, and like I was reading about, <laughs> there was a, when the uh, fur traders were first here, they were like hunting beavers near the Hudson Bay. And the best time of year to do that was in winter. And it, it's like, can you imagine being in winter is probably like, five six hours of daylight it's probably minus 40 you know waist deep snow these guys are hunting beaver pelts and like those are the people that, who basically like kind of forged the initial commerce in canada and then you have the people who broke the prairies and then you have the people who kind of created the whole oil industry and then so so now what <laughs> you know now, now what are we going to do and uh and i think tech really provides us that opportunity and and we're we're pretty pumped i'm, I'm really excited to work with chris and and the rest of the team that we've got here to be on the forefront of that. That's great. Well, um, I realize we're running over an hour here, guys, and I really appreciate you making the time with me. Um, so just getting, kind of give you an opportunity to maybe we'll start to wrap things up, but if, is there an opportunity of anything you else want to discuss before we, uh, before we finish it? I think, uh, I mean, the, the, the big thing I think is as we kind of set on this mission of, of reimagining the Canadian banking industry, we really, really want people to 
get their hands on our product and, and use it and provide us that feedback and really be a part of, of that movement uh, of bringing Canada up to where we believe it should, we, we, we believe it belongs, which is on, on, you know, at the very top of, of the rest of the countries in the world. And the only way we're going to do that is if we have people using it and, 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 and telling us like, Hey, this is how we would like it to be. And this is what we want it to be able to do. Um, so, th- I mean, for people who are interested, obviously just go to neofinancial.com, download Neo, get your hands on it, use it. Um, and, and let us know what you think. I think Jeff pretty much, you know, covered the, the product and, you know, uh, I, I feel like I need to harp on hiring one more time because we really do need, uh, you know, talented people at Neo. So, so I think that'll be my final message. If, if you're inspired, you know, by anything we've talked about today, I know, I know I feel inspired. Like I'm going to, going to have a great, you know, rest of my day. Um, if you feel inspired, get involved, right? And it, it's not even just a Neo. We've even talked about some other Calgary tech companies and startup companies. Um, they all need people who who are willing to roll up their sleeves, you know, uh, who are willing to maybe you know leave a sure thing at a, another job, maybe an easier job, and and take on a challenge and you know be part of of you know this this experience of changing things, making things better, um, moving Calgary forward, moving Alberta forward. I think we, you know, we need that at Neo. Um, and if you want to do it at Neo, go to our website, you know, neofinancial.com slash jobs and look at all the postings on the website. I think over 70 uh, open roles right now at Neo. Cool. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to, um, bring that, bring that up, but you beat me to it, Chris. So that's good. (laughs) I think I was uh, I was looking uh, I was looking because uh, the, obviously we're focused a lot on, on hiring, but we actually have more open roles right now than Shopify uh, in Canada, and we're obviously like in, in some of these roles we're actually hiring multiple people for. So it's again, we're definitely not the right fit for everyone, but I think for the people who we've talked about who want to be who have that kind of that ambition to be a part of something impactful, I think that it's it's definitely worth throwing your name in the hat and having the conversation. Um, and, and before we end, Adam, I just want to thank you for, for having us on. And, and I'm really grateful that you're doing this and investing your time um, to help uh, you know companies talk about the things that are important to them. And so I just want to say I appreciate what you're doing and, and I'm very grateful that you thought of us. Yeah, no, not at all. It's um, it's a big thing with the, for the rainforest community, right? That's the whole well, the whole reason the rainforest community was founded was to was to help the growth of tech uh, in Alberta um, and startups. So that that's it, that's it. So and and um, appreciate your kind words. And then so lastly, if I want a Neo Financial Mastercard in my pocket, how do I do that? Oh, it's so easy. You just download the app. So if you're on iPhone, you just go to the Apple Store and download the app. If you're on Android. Go to the Play Store, download the app. 30 seconds later, you know, we'll approve you for your card. That's, that's all it takes. Get the app, you know, open it up. You go through a few questions. Bam, card. It's in the mail. You know, it'll show up at your house maybe a week later. I know Canada Post you know, is dealing with COVID and the holidays are coming. But um, we'll ship you the card and that's it. You, you get the plastic card and you can use it. The other amazing thing is... Actually, the instant we approve you for a card, you can use tap to pay on your phone. So you'll be able to take your your new iPhone and just you know tap to pay, uh, you know make those transactions on your 
your very first day. We've even had stories of people who are you know, seeing those stickers um, at the coffee shop. And while they're in line, they get the app, apply for the card, get the card, and tap their phone and pay for their coffee in the time it takes them to go through you know, two or three people and, and order their drinks. So that's how easy it is to get uh, Neo up and running for you. Cool. Well, there you have it. That's Alberta Tech. That's, that's very exciting. Chris, I think we're going to make an infomercial. I mean, because uh, like that, that was delivered perfectly. And like, I mean, I need, I need to get a copy of this recording so that we, I can, if I, I want to onboard people, if I want to like actually like get people to get the card, that is what's going to get it right there. That's really my favorite part. Um, that's why I deliver it with so much enthusiasm. And I think I'm out of a job. I think I'm actually out of a job now too, Chris. Can I, can you, can I come and write code now? Because yeah, yeah. You, you can. Can you teach me to wrestle? That's the price. <laughs> Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for making the time. I think we'll leave it there. All right, Adam. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.